your words and the power of positive words. If you think about in, in, in history, some things people have said have been, have been life-altering, life-changing. Back in 1775, America was not America then. It was the British colonies, and we were on the brink of trying to declare independence and become an independent nation. And a man named Patrick Henry stood up in Virginia at a meeting that had people like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson there, and he made a speech, and at the end of the speech, he said, give me liberty, give me freedom, or give me death. And some historians believe those words, that speech, helped motivate some of those great leaders to help our country become the country that it became. In the 1960s, Martin Luther King Jr. made a famous, famous speech where he said, I have a dream, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing his words, but where he said in this, this speech, he said, I, I dream of an America someday where my four children are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Amen to that. Wasn't that great? And the gospel writer, John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and the world is the sum total of individuals, that's you, that he gave his only begotten son, that if you would trust in him, you could have life forever. Man, the power of words. And that's what we want to look at this morning is the power of words in a positive way. And that's what I want to begin with, really the main, the main big thought today. How can we use our words in a positively powerful way. If you were here last Sunday morning, we talked about our words in a negative way. We talked about those ugly things, gossip and slander. And this morning, we're going to talk about trying to use them in a positive way. And and folks, listen, we're in a series about being wise. Proverbs is our main uh, our main place this morning. We've got a lot of verses again, so you might just take notes. I encourage you to do that anyway. But if you want to be wise, wisdom is doing life God's way. It's doing life smartly. It's doing it intelligently. To live wisely is to live the very best life that you can have. Anybody that's got any brain whatsoever wants to live wisely. You cannot live wisely if you, with the help of God, cannot use your tongue properly. You can't be a gossip and slander and mean and be living wisely. But if you want to be a really wise person, you you need to take the power of your speech and use it in a great, great way. In Proverbs 18.21, last week we started here in a negative way. This week we're going to do it in a positive way. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death literally can mean physical death, but it also means ruin. It means violence, that the the tongue has the power to ruin people and to bring violence on people. Death and life, the word life can literally mean alive, but it can also mean to be merry or joyful. It's the idea not only of physical life, but having true meaning and abundancy of life. They're in the power of the tongue, and the word power can mean strength, but it also means that the venue, the avenue, the highway. In other words, the tongue, and, and, and when we talk about the tongue, the Bible's talking about your words and my words. It's broader than just what you say. It could be what you write, what you put on, on uh, social media, what you text, what you email, certainly again what you say. But, but the power of our words in those is our life and death. In other words, with your speech, you can ruin people. And with your speech and your words, you can lift up and change people's lives and change them in tremendously positive ways. If you are at all interested in pleasing God, you can't miss this. If you are at all interested, maybe you're an atheist today, but you came to church, amen. I would love to be known as the church where the atheists come to. Wouldn't you, church members? 
I, I would. They're not as enthusiastic as I am about it, but, but I would. But if you just want to do life right, you've got to learn how to use your words in a positive way. And I'm, I'm going to start this by saying I think a lot of Christians really need to listen because we're not doing too well here. But how do we use our words in our mouth in a positive way? I want to give you three big thoughts. The first is this. Apply the golden rule to your words. What's the golden rule? It's not who has the gold rules. That's not what it is. It's Matthew seven twelve. Matthew seven twelve. Jesus said these famous words. So whatever you want someone to do to you, do also to them. For this sums up the whole Old Testament. If you would just treat people the way you want to be treated, then all the ethical and moral moral commands of the Old Testament are met in that one concept there. And that certainly would apply to your words. Do, do you? Hey, do you want people lying about you? Don't you love that when you hear that you've done something that you absolutely haven't done? Or you've said something that you haven't said? You don't want people lying about you, then don't lie about others. Do you like people gossiping about you? Do you like people slandering you, defaming you? you like people being hypercritical of you, especially people who may not be qualified to even be in that arena? Do you like that? Absolutely not. Do you like being misrepresented? No, then we shouldn't do this to others. In Proverbs 17, 9, he gives a negative and a positive. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Repeating the matter is gossip. The one who continues the negative speech and the the words is a gossip. Man, they ruin people. But when you love someone with your words, you cover it, you conceal it, you bring it to an end. Just a real simple thing. Listen, man, you want your, you want your words to start out with a good foundation. Use your words on others how you want them to use their words to you. I, I misquoted, it's not the Rotarians. I don't know where I got this, but it's really good. It's not original with me. It's kind of a three-pronged test for our words. If something's not true or you don't know it's true, don't say it. Remember what I said last week? If you're not an eyewitness, it's easy to be a false witness, right? If you're not an eyewitness, it's easy to be a false witness. If you don't know something's true, don't say it. Don't, don't, don't repeat it. If it's not positive, unless... The third thing, it's absolutely necessary. Don't repeat it. Sometimes things are absolutely necessary. You have to have a hard conversation with someone about something that is negative, but it's the truth. If it's not positive or negative or absolutely necessary, don't say it. Listen, the first, the first rule for using your words in a great way is apply the golden rule to what you say and what you write. Here's the second thing. Be sincere with your words. Be sincere. I'm fixing to challenge you in a moment to really encourage people. Build people up as best you can, honestly. But it's got to start here. You have to be sincere with your words. Now, I don't want you to point at anybody, but sometimes there's somebody in your life it's hard to say something positive about. Do you agree? Would you agree? I'll keep you here till 2 o'clock. Would you agree? Yes, you'll agree. There's a story told of a, a preacher years ago in a small community. There was a man, and everybody in the community knew he was a drunk. He was a bad dude. He was not a good guy at all. Had all kinds of issues, problems. 
And he died, and the preacher got called to his funeral. And preacher, all the preacher knew was what everybody else knew about the guy. He never came to church or anything. And, and the night before the funeral, his brother came to the preacher and said, Look, I'll give you $500 if you'll say one good thing about my brother. And the preacher said, I don't know one good thing about your brother. And I can't take a bribe. I can't make something up. He goes, Please, one, just think of one good thing you can say about my brother. That's true, and that will please me. So the preacher said, I'll do my best. He prayed all night. The next morning, he got to the funeral, and he said, here lies so-and-so. Compared to his brother, he was a saint. That's funny if you think about it a little bit more. Sometimes you have to stretch, <laughs> but don't be dishonest. Listen, the Bible condemns, I think it condemns negativity, but it also condemns Phoniness. In Proverbs 6, 26, 28, listen to what it says. A lying tongue hates its victims. You lie about people and you do it intentionally, that's hate. But a flattering mouth works when What is flattery? The, the biblical word flattery, it's not a good thing. It's being smooth of tongue. It's being slick with your words, but not in a good way. It's a con man or a con woman. It's a manipulator. Someone who could sell ice to an Eskimo in January in Alaska. It's somebody who's smooth but who's got bad intentions is this person. And it says this person, it leads to ruin. That word means it overthrows, it messes people up. Proverbs 29.5 continues the theme to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. And in Romans 16, verse 18, way over the New Testament, God through the Apostle Paul, for such a person, they don't serve the Lord they serve their own appetites, their own desires. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. What, what is flattery? Flattery is when you compliment somebody or you encourage somebody, but you don't mean it at all. Sometimes it's so they'll say something good back to you, like, hey, you look nice today, and they're wanting you to say it back to them or whatever. Or, or there, there's some kind of motive. They're trying to sell you something, trying to manipulate you. They're trying to get you on their side. Flattery is about you and me. It's not about them, and God condemns it. It's a bad thing. Listen, if you're going to use your tongue in the right way, in some ways I'm going to encourage, encourage you in a moment to do, be sincere. Ask God to help you be sincere. Some people you can flatter, I mean, compliment a lot more than others. Some people you can't a lot, but don't be guilty of flattery. That is a bad, bad, that's a phony is what that is. So here's what I want to really challenge you, kind of the heart this morning. Build up and bless people with your words. Build up and bless people with your words. Proverbs 10, 11 Listen to how it says, the words of the godly. Okay, I, I want to be a godly person, one who pleases God, who lives like Jesus, who honors God with how I do life. He talks about the words. The words of the godly are li- a life-giving fountain. The, the word life-giving, that phrase means alive and joyful and merry. But the words of the wicked conceal they're fake. They conceal violent intentions. Godly people, by their words, bless other people's what he's saying. In Proverbs 12, verse 18, he says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You, you know people, they can even compliment you and you feel bad when they've got finished with you. The word cutting, that means they just, man, it's like they stick a verbal sword in your heart and they rip it. 
when you can feel like things are going well and they have a way of going in there and just punching you right in the liver and it hurts and it hurts and hurts. But the words of the wise, the words of the wise, the wise person, the one who has common sense and who does life the way God wants them to, does life rightly, their words bring healing. If you're taking notes, that word healing means medicine and health. It's a remedy. Wise people use their words sincerely in a way that heals and cures, not hurts and ruins. In Proverbs 16, 24, it's a beautiful verse. Kind words are like honey. We might say kind words are like donuts. Kind words are like chocolate syrup. Kind words are like bluebell. They're sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. That word kind means pleasant words and gracious words. And sweet means exactly what you think it means. Again, he uses the word healthy for a remedy. Listen, what he's saying here, this is so important. Godly people aren't fake. They're sincere. They use their words to others how they would want to be treated themselves. There's some people, it's hard to find things to be positive and encouraging about, so you just don't say a lot. But when you find an opening to say something good, you say it. But, man, listen, God says that you, you want to use your mouth in a way that honors Him and blesses people. Look for ways to encourage people and to be positive. And I know what you're saying. Well, some people, it's hard. That's true. You see a bald guy after church, you may not need to tell him his hair looks good, but you can say, man, your, hair sh- your head's shiny, and it looks great. I said that joke in the first service, and I had 18 people. Like, your head looks good, preacher. That's fine. I'll take any compliments I can get. That's fine. But you, you can find things. Listen, I understand. Listen, you're, you're a, a parent. You're a boss. You're a leader. You have to fire people. You have to correct people. You have to get on to people. You have to make changes. You have to have hard conversations. Some people don't lend themselves to a whole lot of uplifting things. But you look for those opportunities. The, the, the thing for most of us is we've got a lot of people in our life that need this, that we are not giving it to them. Think how much better your family would be if you did make the corrections and adjustments that you need to make from time to time, but that you encouraged them more and spoke positive words in their life more. Think how much better your team would be. Think how much your kids might think of their coach or their teachers if you talked better about their teachers and coaches instead of criticized them behind their back with your kids. Think about how people at work might like their boss better or their boss might like their employees better if things were more positive and uplifting and upbeat. And I just think we have a problem here. I really do. It's just so much easier to be critical. It's so much easier to be negative. And listen, here's the terrible thing. I'm, not ta- I'm talking to a church. And we struggle as Christians with this. I don't, know, I don't know if it's that we just feel a lot of times we're just smarter than other people. And so, therefore, we need to point out all their errors or mistakes or a lot of us, we give out compliments like they're $100 bills. It's like, oh, my gosh. And it hurts. Why does it hurt you to encourage somebody? Why does, it, why does it hurt you to build somebody up? The Bible, I just touched on a few verses. Proverbs alone is choked full about how it is so important to do this. I think a lot of us are addicted to negativity. I saw a Jewish rabbi wrote an article on this years ago. 
He said, you know, if you took a person and, and they told you they could not go 24 hours without a drink, you would agree that person's addicted to alcohol. Do you agree? I don't mean to get in any of your business on any of this, but stay with me. If you can't go 24 hours without a smoke or a dip or a chew, you might be addicted. Let me really get in your business. If you can't go 24 hours without your phone or your iPad or your computer, amen? How many of us are addicted? Some of you right now are going, oh, oh, oh. Okay, you agree that what I just said is true, and that's come from somebody else, and it's absolutely true. If you can't go 24 hours without nailing somebody with your tongue, you got a problem, amen? So you don't mind saying that about somebody that's got a drug or alcohol problem as long as it's not you. But, but if you can't go 24 hours without being critical and damaging with your words, you've got a negativity problem. It's a heart problem. We're going to see more in just a moment, but you know that's true. And I know for some of us this will be a challenge, but I'm challenging you. Live wise. I want to, I want to please God. It starts here. Listen, God would much rather you go out of here and speak well to people than memorize the Old Testament and continue to be negative and critical and grumpy. He would much rather you do that. And I know for some of us, it's just going to be a big change, and it's going to shock people. That's okay, too. There was a man who was on a business trip. I was out of town. It was on a weekend. He went to a church, and the pastor challenged them to be encouraging and positive as much as they could to the people in their lives. He gets home three days later. He says, I'm going to start at home. I'm starting with my wife. He walks in. He gives her a kiss and he hugs her and he said honey you look beautiful dinner smells great i'm so glad to be home she looked at him and just burst out in tears he said what's wrong he said billy got in a fight at school today the refrigerator's broken now you've come home drunk (laughs) you may surprise people if you didn't laugh at that you got a negativity problem I'm joking. I don't know. I can't see if you're laughing or not. So be critical of that statement. I didn't mean it. I was joking. Uh, But that's the truth. And that's okay. If people have to be shocked by our change of behavior, let them be shocked by our change of behavior. But I want you, if you want to live wisely, stop putting yourself as the critic, as the one who's got to put everybody in their place. Lead and direct in the areas of your life God's put you. But even in that, try to be as much of a builder as you can. Man, so much is at stake. Years ago, a pastor wrote a book. I mean, this was many, many years ago. And this was before you had the Internet, anything like that. So when you, when you wrote a book, it, they'd send it out to a few people before it got out. People his church got copies of it. They loved it. But it began to get out to some other preachers and other people. And, man, they started criticizing him. And his church people are criticizing him. Not his church, but church religious people. I mean, ripping him to shreds. It's heresy. You're just trying to get money. You're being manipulative, on and on and on. So much so that this man, he was in his 50s. He was fixing to quit. He was fixing to recall the book and resign from his church. He said, enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. But before he did, he wrote up a letter of resignation. He went to go see his dad, who lived several hours away. We got up there, he told everything to his dad, and his dad sat him down. He said, son, I've read your book. His dad was a former pastor, too. He said, son, your book lines up with the Bible. You believe the Bible. You love Jesus Christ. What you're saying is true. It's going to help a lot of people. Son, don't quit. God's going to use you in great ways. He's going to use this book in a great ways. Don't quit. The man went back, and he tore up his letter of resignation, and he told the publishers, put the book out. 
And the book went on to sell 20 million copies. It was The Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. 20,000 copies, 20 million copies, I'm sorry, 20 million copies. 186 weeks, it was on the New York Times bestseller. Impacted millions and millions and millions of people. But what if there hadn't been that one person in his life that spoke positive truth to him? Mark Twain said, I could live two months off of a good compliment. You know people that are just that way in your life. You know people like that. Psychologists have told us that for every negative thing you hear personally, you need about five things positive to counterbalance that. I think it may be more than that. It may be ten. Think about that. For, For one negative thing you hear about, hey, you didn't do a good job here, you're not this, you're not that, it takes five to ten positive things to kind of balance the one negative thing. That's how our brains are just messed up. But be a 5 to 10 encourager as much as you can. Neuroscience, brain science tells us, folks, listen, when, when you are thankful to God and to others, you, you, you're obviously you've got to process it here, and when you express it out, it releases endorphins in your mind. This is a God thing that makes you feel good, feel good endorphins. So when you encourage people and bless people and speak positive truth into their life, it blesses you. So I've got three challenges for you this week. I've got three things I want to really challenge you to do. The first one is for today. You can do this before you leave this building. Do it at home, do it wherever. But find somebody, and it doesn't have to be one. You can do this to 100 people, but do it at least to one. Tell somebody you love them. Now, if you're at a restaurant and you don't know them, be careful. That's kind of creepy. But just tell somebody you appreciate them. Be as specific as you can. Thank them for how they've blessed you and what they do. Listen, people need to hear this. Tell somebody to their face today what they mean to you. Here's the second thing. Find somebody this week to do the same thing to. Maybe it's someone at school that you won't see today or someone at work. Some family member you'll see somewhere. Find somebody this week. You can do it to 100 people, but do it to at least one. And tell them, hey, I love you. I appreciate you. Be as specific as you can. Build them up and encourage them. Don't be so insecure that you can't do this. The third thing is make that phone call this week. Write the letter. Send an email. Social message somebody. Text them. Somebody that you're not going to see that doesn't live in Ruston or you're not going to bump into Do the same thing with them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you appreciate them. If you don't love them, say, I I like you, I think. But let them know some way that they blessed you and they mean something to your life. You want to be spiritual and godly? Step one right here. Let's do this. I want to go back and I want to look at Matthew 12. We looked at this last week. This gets to the heart of it. You brood of snakes. Jesus wasn't being very positive there. How can evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury, the overflow of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of their heart, their evil heart. 
And I tell you this, you're going to give an account on the day of judgment for every idle and wrong word. I believe you'll give a, get a positive judgment on the positive things that you've said. Your words someday will either acquit you or they will condemn you. Here's what God is saying here. You're, you're not negative and critical and fault-finding because you're smarter than everybody. You're that way because your heart's messed up. And if that's, that, if that's you and me this morning, you either need to give your life to Christ today, you need to come to Christ today and let Him give you a new heart, or Christian, you need to come back to Christ today and let Him change your heart again. The scary thing is, is we've given, we're given an option now to get this right. But if we don't take care of it here, someday we'll answer for it to God for sure. Before we move into the invitation, I just want to ask you, what do your words say about you? I, hey, I didn't, God wrote that. I didn't. What do they say about your heart? But far more importantly than that, what will you and I do right now about our hearts? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christ follower, maybe you're doing well, maybe the truth is you're not. Man, get your heart right with Jesus. Get your heart right with Jesus. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that you don't belong to Him and that He's trying to pull you to Jesus. Man, if you're ready, pray with me now. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I want to challenge you. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your life. Are you ready to do that? You come this morning to give your life to Christ. Man, you need that more than you need anything else. If you're uncomfortable walking down the aisle, come after church over here. Let us help you with that decision. But don't leave here without being right with Christ. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You, you can come and do that right now. You can do that after church. But come and do that today. You need a church. We need you and you need a church to help you on this journey. Christian, maybe, maybe you're doing well. Some of you are great encouragers. Keep it up. Others of us, maybe we go, you know, the truth is, I know I'm saved, but man, my heart is messed up and it's coming out of my mouth. Man, where you're standing at the altar praying with a minister, decide to be wise today and give your heart and your tongue back over to Jesus. Let's stand. You come now as we, we sing.